things are very bad for you. Who are you then? Just the fly in the ointment, Hans. The monkey in the wrench. The pain in the ass. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Grass and Gear podcast, titled Rap Battle, and we'll talk more on that in a sec. Um, as ever, I'm joined by my talented co-host, Dan Gear of Bolivia fame. Say hi, Dan. Hi, Tony. How are you doing? I'm better now. I've recovered from um, Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk more <laughs> on that in a sec. Obviously, our fan day was uh, pretty eventful. Um, but today we're also joined by a, a guest... Um, all the way from America, it's Matthias, the FM scribe. Say hi. Hi. How are you doing, sir? Thank you for joining us. I'm doing well. I'm, I feel honored to be on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We've brought you in here today, obviously, to obviously Dan and I having two-day syndromes hangovers, so you're there just to prop us up and keep us talking. Um, so it should be fun. <laughs> yeah, did, too bad I was at a brew, pro, brew pub until late last night myself. So, oh god, you like us? This, this is going to be great, great quality. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Dan, obviously with the fan day, um, it was a good laugh, wasn't it? In Bristol, kind of tore it up really. Might... It was, it was really good. I really enjoyed myself, and then <laughs> definitely do it again. Yeah, and um, obviously we haven't thought about plans for the 2019 fan day. Um, we would love to go international. Obviously, Belfast, or East Belfast, is a uh, <laughs> potential place. If not, uh, maybe Burkheim in Norway to see a friend there. <laughs> a friend. <laughs> a friend, yeah. More than a friend sometimes. <laughs> Hope he's listening. Um, so we might as well just get into the pod today. Obviously, we have to go through the beer opening, which is kind of a, a thing we have to do. Um, I'll go first. Um, and to be fair, obviously, Matthias is from based in Colorado, aren't you? And I, I thought Coors yeah. Light would be the perfect beer there in England because it's a very popular um, beer at the moment. And I think yeah. that's the Rocky Mountains, and I think that goes into Colorado. Uh, yeah, Coors is brewed in Golden, Colorado, actually. So it's about an hour away from my house. Yeah. But I didn't do that because I drank so much Coors Light when I was in Centre Parks, which was my holiday last week, um, watching the semi-finals of the World Cup. Um, that I drank far too many Coors Lights. I'm just sick of the sight of it now. So I've gone for a pale ale today called Atlantic. And the reason being that it's what separates Matthias and to Dan and I. <laughs> um, it's it's a Cornish uh, pale ale. So that's my beer. What about you, Dan? I have gone for something for Matthias as well. I've gone for Hogarden white beer, which is a nice. German beer. Yeah, I did see that in the shop today and thought I hesitated. <laughs> But that, is, it, is, is it quite a strong one, these Germans? Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, it's on offer for, for £5, so that right. threw me towards it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Matthias, what have you got? Well, given that it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon here, and uh, I still have a little bit of work to do and can't be totally inebriated when I'm doing it, I'm drinking a very nice vintage classic seltzer water from Safeway. <laughs> Lovely stuff, and and to be fair, you're probably slightly hungover as well, so a little bit fragile, maybe. Yeah, yeah. The the water, the seltzer water is actually really good. <laughs> it's going to purify your football manager discussion today. <laughs> okay, I'm ready when you are, Dad. Um, let's just open, spark it up. Mm, that's nice. Ah, yeah, refreshing. Very good. 
Very refreshing. Good. I feel much better now. I, I almost feel like I'm 30 again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, when we decided we want to get Matthias on board, uh, Matthias on board, sorry, for um, a pod, the first thing I thought about was that we, I wanted to do a rap with him. Um, he is a, uh, you know, a blogger, a YouTuber, and a streamer. And I've been in a few of your streams, and I like the fact that sometimes you have a bit of mix of German rap and English rap and American rap. Um, so, you know, if you're going to get you on your pod, why aren't you going to ask to have a rap battle? That's my thinking. That's perfectly logical. <laughs> um, so we have, you know, got some lyrics ready and to do a rap battle, and Dan's going to judge us. And then we'll move on to a discussion um, of the, the topics held in our raps. Um, but it will be Foot Manager before people start switching off thinking what the hell are these guys doing now <laughs> um, we have got Foot Manager content to talk about so um, if you guys are ready I'll just start playing um, and get ready for my rap is that okay? yep good luck okay here we go yeah FM Grasshopper elite blogger visionary podcaster here to take down Describe Two awards and one more cup. Hit it. Yeah, I make rhymes in history, blogging stories, the community's fantasies. But you don't scribe anymore, just bore men endlessly talking about Dom's history. Yeah, you make good videos, record decent streams, and have personality. But how would you hold up tactically? Gear compressing? Fuck that, I'm the master tactician. Low block, low block, Barcelona's bitches want the cock. That's right, I have a persona. You just have a Barcelona poster. And how you can act on Twitch when after this pod, I'll make you my bitch. I dedicate a whole blog about this roasting, talk about Germans World Cup and how the Koreans were coasting. Well, <laughs> that was good, Tony. Move over Eminem. Move over Eminem. Like <laughs> the the UK grime scene right now is just pausing and getting on the phone to me. I reckon after that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know how you're going to follow that, mate. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll give it. I'll give okay, it. Okay, all right then. So get ready. Here we go. Danke, Grasshopper. Stick to blogging, because that was awful potting. I mean, like, seriously awful. By the way, has it come home yet? Nein, Grasshopper. It's as relevant as your rap. I'm going to destroy you. Sometimes I scribe and sometimes I video. Not writing two years about some fake bastardo. I only came on this pod because of Dan Gear. Not some UK vanilla ice chock full of fear. I'm a gig presser, which means I'm gonna get you pressure all day till I finally crack you. Here's some advice for the grasshopper. Fuck the low block and play something proper. Nobody wants to read, see, or hear your shit. Listen to me, son, because I'm actually legit. Rap battle me? You forget where I'm from? NWA got nothing on me, son. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, that's that's gonna li- haunt me for the rest of my days. I, 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 yeah, I can't imagine the amount of carnage we're gonna get on Twitter and other other platforms soon. And <laughs> people who listen to that, oh, yeah, um, yeah, two vanilla rices going at it. <laughs> I, I can already see the album. You know, I, I'm pretty sure Dr. Dre is gonna be knocking on both of our doors pretty soon. Yeah, a, a scribe grass up a mixtape could be brilliant. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, Dan, you've actually got the the hard task of choosing the winner there, and I don't mind. You know, you you aren't biased. You've got to pick the best rap. Um, I feel roasted. I'll be honest. I think I think um, Matthias has done me there. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. Yeah, he's definitely the winner. Um, obviously, he mixed a tiny bit of German in as well. Um, yeah, and the experience showed throughout. 
Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I probably went a bit too controversial right at the start by saying two World Wars and one World Cup, and he's just shot me down there about, <laughs> is it coming home? So yeah, it's all in good spirit. All in good spirit. <laughs> Great stuff. And, uh, yeah. Uh, well, well, well done, guys. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, so the topics in the, in the wraps um, was kind of, you know, a little bit of high block versus low block discussion. So um, Matthias is a real advocate of uh, high block, uh, pr- forgive my pronunciation, Gergen pressing. Um, in English, we call it counter pressing. Um, whereas I'm more akin to like a low block, more of a, uh, a settled back style, um, playing on the counter kind of thing. So it, it just made sense really to go down that direction of the pod today and, you know, having just a discussion really and how, how Matthias sets out his teams in Foot Manager um, on, his, on his YouTube saves and his um, streaming saves. So I guess that's over to you, Dan. Yeah, that's fine, yeah. So um, my first question to you, Matthias, is why do you love using gig and pressing? Um, well, for me, what I enjoy about gig and pressing the most is just the entertainment value, the attack-minded nature of it, a little bit more aggressive, um, in your face, like Klopp would say, heavy metal football, go, go, go for 90 minutes or thereabouts and try to entertain you know and club once said in an interview when he was at Dortmund that for him football needs to be entertaining and gegenpressing is the style that he finds most appealing uh, because it's just non-stop action and and that's what really attracted me to it um, when you know I'd, I'd seen Saki kind of play things like that in Milan and um, but really, when Klopp took over Dortmund after the likes of Van Marwijk and Doll, who played dull, no pun intended, football, um, <laughs> it was it was you know, and it took a, a season or two to kind of really see what what Klopp was up to. Um, it just it was mesmerizing to watch, and now it's become a staple in German football. I mean, if you look at the top two tiers in Germany, almost every club plays some form of gegenpressing. Do you feel like it, um, it's easy to replicate in football manager? Um, I, I don't think it's that hard. Um, I'm, I feel like I've kind of done so. It's not perfect mm-hmm. because it's still football manager. You know, I mean, it's yeah. there's, you, you can't really create true pressing traps like you would see a Rangnick side or a club side or something like that play, but you can, or pressing triggers, you can kind of massage it in that direction, but you can definitely get it, I think, for what football manager is and what the match engine does or doesn't allow, you can get it pretty close for football manager levels. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, because um, we've, we've had this pod um, in the pipeline for a, a good few weeks now, and I, I was trying to think of perhaps some parts of the counter press, gig and pressing that you can't, perhaps you can't do in foot manager because it's a game. And one of them is, is, the, is the famed, like, you know, five second rule where, you know, players w- will press, but then if they don't get the ball in a certain amount of time, then they go back to their position and there's their unit. I don't know how how FM does that at all. I don't know if you can expand on that, Matthias, but, you know, that five second rule that Barcelona were kind of famous for using, um, how can that be replicated? It's it's really hard. I mean, watching the matches on comprehensive or even sometimes full, just to, to analyze how the pressing pressing works. I don't have to say pressing in German. I don't know why I just did that. Um, you can. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, uh, they, 
it, it triggers it sometimes. Sometimes they do it. It's It seems a little random at times, especially when it's in the attacking third, but you can you can kind of get it there. And, and I think it comes down to the, the players you have, the attributes you have, um, and then obviously everything else that plays into it. Um, your mentality, team shape, roles, duties, all of that, you can kind of get there. Um, but yeah, that's it's a hard one because you can't instruct it per se, press aggressively within five seconds of losing the ball, and then get back into position that's it's hard but if you can get the right players you can get close ish yeah um another question now for tony um recently you've always had been setting up with a lower block why is that um i think it's probably comes down to the fact that i've i've been managing argentina and um you know matthias can probably correct me if i'm wrong here but like, i think gag impression you, you kind of really need uh, kind of like elite athletes to make it work so you, you need like all 10 outfield players to be high on stamina um high perhaps on like acceleration uh, anticipation um to really to make use of the press and i think if one of those cogs is not quite right um it's not really an effective gag pressing just can't really work is you know that's probably why every team isn't doing gag pressing because it is you need ultimate focus and it's you know the upper echelons where it really works when you've got like a someone like a jürgen klopp level so by default if you know if you've got really raw defenders that are towering beasts but they perhaps aren't very good with the ball um you know you don't really want them halfway up the pitch winning the ball and then not knowing what to do with it they're going to lose it and be out of position so i've kind of gone down the route of playing kind of diego simeone's style you know you see atletico madrid you know it's very structured you know it's two banks of fours um and but that doesn't mean to say, you know, when they do get the ball, then they can break. And what I found in this, especially in this football manager, is having always having that out ball. So you can have an out ball as a target man, which I did at the start of my save in FM18, where I had like a kind of a complete forward who could, you know, hold it up a little bit well and do do something with it. Um, but since then, I've actually gone that to an advanced forward. And by having that out ball, you know, I can sit back in those two banks of fours, get it and then release it by using pass into space. And I suppose it's just a measure of my personality, really. I'm quite risk-adverse. So in FF Foot Manager, I kind of really like the counter mentality. Um, and by default, when you've got that mentality, you're you're pushing back your defensive line and you're closing down. So you kind of, you're kind of defaulting that way. You're going down that route of kind of, you know, more disciplined. Um, so that's kind of it in a nutshell, really. You know, I, I kind of walked into a team that couldn't do it from the off, so there's no point trying to do it because I think it would fail and crash and burn. Um, and you know, maybe in the in the future FMs when I've got a, a, a big club, I can perhaps recruit to those really high high stamina players. Yeah, that makes sense. To be fair, like if they say, like if you're in that sort of lower team, maybe even lower league, especially with um, like, with your Copa Libertadores. You're probably always an uh, underdog to a certain extent against the Brazilian teams. Yeah. It probably makes sense for you to play in the lower block. Yeah. And to be fair, like even, you know, I, I really favour mental attributes. I, I don't <laughs> I don't really try too hard to recruit a certain type of physical attribute. I, I, I value natural fitness. It's one of the most important attributes in my mind. But beyond that, um, some of my midfielders that I've signed in the Estudiantes have just been very slow and very sluggish. 
um, but they've got that discipline and that mental attributes to you know to fall back on so it's kind of probably a, a decision based on the personnel really yeah that makes sense so, um, Matthias um, what would you say the advantages of doing gig and pressing over a low block is well I think it's um, kind of what you're setting out your team to do um, you know my mentality is a little bit more I guess um, I'm, I'm not risk averse maybe a little bit more aggressive in that standpoint um, I I want my team to se- I set them out to score and win the match um, and whereas if you look at a traditional low block it's and, and if you look at like a Burnley or Sweden at the World Cup, they weren't really set out to score and win as much as they were set out to not concede and not lose. And it it may be semantics to some, but to me there's a huge difference there. And I always believe you play a game, a sport, to win, ultimately to win. And um, I I just I'd rather be on the front foot, putting pressure on the other team and trying to get the win myself rather than hoping for the break or for the mistake or the set piece. Um, and that's that, you know, from a, from a tactical playing style, that's what I think the advantage is. And then obviously from an entertainment factor, it's, it's easier on the eyes for, for people that are watching versus some of the really dire low block stuff that you sometimes (laughs) see where it's just, I mean, it's almost insulting, to be honest. I, yeah. To be fair, it reminds me of a game I had with Diego Mendoza um, on a versus match. And obviously he's he's kind of like really passing orientated, <laughs> attacking orientated. But we were just creaming over my my centre-backs, just sweeping up every, every time in a low block. It was, it was good stuff. And I, I'd, well, I understand what Matthias is saying, but obviously I, I quite like the dirty nature of the football. Sometimes, there's no satisfaction. No better satisfaction for me winning two nil. I'd, I'd rather win two nil than I suppose a, a horrible five three or something that just would send my heart rate going mad. I think there's um there's from a neutral point of view there's pros and cons for both sides of on like viewing it. I mean, you think of some sometimes like when Mourinho was in charge of um, Chelsea, or uh, like you say Simeone was in charge of Atletico. Some of the times when they get those results against a stronger side, you sort of admire the way they've set up tactically. But obviously, you get the aspect of the um, kick and pressing that it is. I mean, I'm a Man United fan, I do not like Liverpool, but watching Klopp's team going forward, sometimes you have to just be in awe of it. Like, it is brilliant to watch. When when he was at Dortmund as well, it was just brilliant to watch them going forward. But I, I don't know what my test, I know this is delving into real world football now, but. Klopp, kind yeah. of, I think his style is slightly different to what he was at Dortmund. I think Dortmund's probably the true gear compressing, if I'm right. And then Liverpool is kind of more like a, it's not really true, true pressing because perhaps it's to do with the players he inherited, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, the the width is a little bit different at uh, because just because of the speed you have on the wings uh, from from uh, Liverpool versus Dortmund at the time. I mean, Kevin Grosskreutz is not exactly a world beater. He's not exactly Mane or Salah, you know, and, and I don't think mm. he'll object to me not comparing him to them, even though he's actually won a World Cup without playing a minute. <laughs> um, but 
it's it's a little bit different, but it's still it's still there. It's still pressing. It's a little bit more situational. It's not you know uh, all out go 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 go. And I think part of that is down to the players he has at his disposal at Liverpool versus Dortmund. At Dortmund, they were except for towards the end of his time there, always the inferior team. If you think back to. Yeah, second season and then third season when they started winning uh, the first Bundesliga title, they were super young. They were, though quite talented, they weren't world beaters. You know, Schmelza isn't a great left back. Großkreuz wasn't a great left winger. Götze was still really, really young. Lewandowski, oh, well, first it was Lucas Barrios before Lewandowski even became anybody. And he was still young. Yeah. And, and Pischik was a converted striker in the right back. So it's totally different subset of players and he had two teenagers as center backs with Hummels and Subotic so he just had the mentality of we're not gonna just sit here and wait for them to come at us like Bayern but go after them and it's proven to be successful I mean you mentioned Mourinho as an example um, and uh, one of my favorite words is repugnant and whenever I see a team that's really, really, really talented, really good, world-class players, and they play essentially a low-block style. I find it, frankly, repugnant. It, it just it, it offends me uh, personally. I, I take it far too personal because I can see why Burnley do it. I can see why Sweden did it in the World Cup. And why Estudiantes team. And, and why Estudiantes or why, you know, <laughs> half of the teams in South America kind of do it. But to... For a team as as talented as Chelsea or Atletico Madrid or uh, Manchester United, it just I I don't it doesn't compute for me because aside from when you're playing a Barcelona or Real Madrid, you are the favorite. You are the most talented team on the pitch. Play like you are, and they're. Matches in La Liga where Atletico, they could be playing Espanol and they'll sit back. And it drives me nuts. Like, Espanol aren't good. You could drive them into the ground, but they choose not to change their style, which, okay, I can understand. But at the end of the day, it just I, it doesn't compute for me. And it just, just doesn't work for how I like to watch football. But that's the beauty of the game. There's no right way or wrong way. It's Everybody has a different style and taste. Well, you, you talk about you talk about like that um that part of it where like it's not not changing um for opposition. Do you ever change your style when football manager if you're the underdog, or do you always stay with the same way? You know, to be honest, I occasionally make little tweaks. Every time I've decided to make wholesale changes, I've lost. It's just never worked. So I decide I'm just going to go with what I have and make slight tweaks, maybe lower the mentality a little bit, a little bit less risk. Um, maybe, you know, if I'm playing a 4-3-3 style, uh, maybe have a defensive midfielder mark their best playmaker out. But nothing, I'm not going to go, we're always attack, 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 and now I'm going to sit back and absorb pressure because I don't, I didn't create a team that's really made to do that. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. It's it's pretty much why um, I don't I don't change my low block really. I know Matthias said about Chelsea changing, Atletico changing, but the reason why I don't change is obviously because my team is set up in a certain style, and the players even I select in, in the first eleven are they are really tailored to that low block really. 
I think if then I started to ask them to say, okay, now now go and play controlling and shorter passing, it would just be a, a car crash really because you know the way the team is set up in my FM18 save is that you know I know what my advanced forward is going to be doing when he when we have like a counter corner goal etc or uh, when we win it back and we just pass into space so that's why I continue with a little bit I don't change much really I'm quite boring really <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just wondering Matthias um, from your point of view what are the disadvantages of gig compression over a low block well, I mean, obviously, you're going to be more open defensively. Uh, you're more susceptible to counterattacks because uh, you're going to leave space in behind. Uh, depending on where, uh, you're obviously going to be a little bit less solid, so you have got more risk. Uh, that's that's the biggest advantage, disadvantage, however you want to see it. Disadvantage of gegenpressing, pressing, advantage of of a low block when they meet each other. Um, you just absorb, absorb. The other team pushes more and more and more. You lose possession in gegenpressing. And if you don't happen to have a Mats Hummels back there, saving your bacon every five seconds, <clears throat> like Germany at the mm-hmm. World Cup, um, <laughs> even though they weren't playing a gegenpressing Germany, this, which is a totally different topic. Every team in the Bundesliga plays an aggressive gegenpressing, but the national team doesn't. That's that's a different tangent for a different day, but um, <laughs> that's to me probably the biggest disadvantage is just it's easier to lose shape. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you find obviously I know you, you've had an Ipswich save, and then you've done saves like with Dortmund instance. Do, do you find it's actually the game person is is really challenging to like instill in the smaller club because you kind of need the that kind of elite mentality. Well, I mean, it really it really depends. I mean, to me, they don't have to be elite players all around. They just have to be really good in certain attributes. Uh, with Ipswich, it took a couple of seasons. Obviously, we got promoted faster than I thought. And then we actually finished eighth. And it's a slow build, especially when you just don't have the money others do. And then you throw in the whole Brexit thing on top of it. It just makes it a little bit more interesting, even though I had a super soft Brexit. Um it's, it's possible to do it. You just have to be a little bit more patient and you can't expect it to work from day one, uh, which is very similar to the way Dortmund worked under Klopp the first couple of seasons. It was meh because of lack of money and recruitment. But then as of the third season, it really clicked. Yeah. I, th- I think that's probably a nice tangent down into your next question, isn't it? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, again, to Matthias, as you're the star of the show. Um, when when you're recruiting players do you focus on only players who will fit into the game compression style or would you adapt the style to accommodate a style player if he became available Um, you know I mean I have in the past been and like probably everybody who's played FM where you see that that starlet uh, new gen and you go I can change you you come to me, I will make you. You know, it's almost like the, the, the woman who gets the man who's a complete tool and is like, no, I can change you. I'm going to be the one to make you better. Um, <laughs> Any more, like really young players, 16, 17, 18, I'll, I'll ignore a couple of attributes that are off because I feel like I can get them there through training and tutoring. But overall recruitment of more senior players, I do, I'll ignore a star if if the five key attributes that I really always look for 
aren't matched. I mean, I'll, I'll forgive maybe one, but that's yeah. that's at the most. But and by forgive, I mean instead of a, a 14, 15 or above, you have an 11 or a 12, which is still above average. Uh, I'll be okay with it for the right person. And what are those five? Are you allowed to share that? Uh, well, there's actually a video on my YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> it's funny you should ask, Tony. No, um, so key for me are on the mentality side, teamwork, work rate, and determination. I don't think that's a big surprise. Oh, and I love then, them. I love them. And then on the physical side, it's natural fitness and stamina. Just because it's an aggressive style, I don't want to have to substitute key players after 60 minutes every single match. Um, and that's, those are the ones that are really important. Obviously you want players to be amazing everywhere, but if those five aren't, then they're really going to have to convince me in other ways why I should, should buy them. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with all those attributes really. I, I, I like, um, I think one of the underrated one is probably work rate. I've, I've never had a, a good winger with low work rate. It's just work rate for a winger or a wide player. Is essential. Um, yeah, I mean, especially in a gig pressing, especially for fullbacks, because yeah. you're asking them to do so much work. And, and if you're playing a, I guess a, a top-heavy formation like a four-two-three-one or a four-three-three with the, the AMR AML, you ask so much of your fullbacks. Or even if you're playing without wingers, a narrow formation, which you can easily do in gig pressing, you need that work rate in those more exposed positions. Let's call it that. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Definitely. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Yeah. And that's the sort of thing when you're, um, when you're setting up your scouting team, I think it's easy for a lot of people just to buy a player because they got good ratings, but they don't actually delve into do their attributes suit the role or the style of play I want them to play. And I think like, um, one thing you can do is when, you know what role you want a, the player to play. <clears throat> Pardon me. You can click on it on the screen and it and then highlight the, the attributes for that role, which gives you something else to look at. And then you can obviously look at what you prefer personally and see if it all matches up. And I think that sometimes people get like, oh, look, this, this player is worth 50 million. He's a left back. He's got four stars. And they just go and buy them without actually delving into their attributes if it suits the setup. Yeah, I think I definitely. Since I've been doing my like my fibra policy of only signing players based on their mental attributes, and yeah, I hardly look at stars. Mm. I hardly look at their like their value or you know where their twenties are. I, I like I remember having used to play for manager or CM back in the day with a mate, and he used to just count twenties and rate players on how close <laughs> they were to getting twenties, regardless of where the twenties sit in terms of the attributes. But if you just yeah. narrow it down and say, okay, this is the kind of philosophy I want to put into my team, or this is what the role really needs, um, just folk like zone in, just forget all the other attributes. Um, obviously, you know, in another world, you'd want everyone to be all rounded, and you'd want you know. 11 Lionel Messi's on the pitch um, or perhaps even Kylian Mbappe's nowadays but you know, <laughs> it's not like that in football in, in especially for manager you need to really narrow down and focus on and really yeah. decide on what you want in that position okay. yeah definitely I mean I've, I I would say one thing I've noticed from listening to you two that um, it, it sort of comes down to the managing style so obviously um, Matthias is quite 
risky. He wants to go for it, whereas Tony, you're quite um, prudent. You don't want to. You don't want to give up anything. You, and, you saw me on the that, fan day. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. Um, but no, I mean, like that comes across in the way that you're setting up your teams in football manager. I mean, I would say I I personally play quite adaptable. If I'm a lower team at the bottom of the league, I will change to suit that. If I'm a top team, I want I will change to that. Whereas, like, I know you said if you're a bigger side, but the bigger you get, you still have that lower block setting, I feel. Yeah. And that comes across in the managing style, which is quite interesting, really, that you try and replicate that in-game. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, it is interesting. And it's good to have different styles. If everyone played the same style, it would be boring. Yeah, to be fair, like, years ago when I played for manager, like, even, like, 10 years ago when FM... 2005 etc come out I never really thought about this in depth like what style am I gonna it was it was almost of like you just choose a team and then you just kind of it was all sliders back in those days you didn't really think about perhaps am I gonna be a all-round counter mentality team or am I gonna be a you know kind of gag and pressing um mm. or attacking focus it was but I think yeah I think the game perhaps forces you to make those like f- philosophical decisions straight away it's like okay what what is going to be the ethos of the team? Yeah, definitely. I was just wondering, um, for Matthias, would you give um, if you have to give someone some advice, if they want to set up a gig and press and tactic, what what sort of advice would you give them for a basis to start with it? Well, I mean, I think one big mistake people make is they immediately think they have to use an attacking or control mentality and go fluid mm-hmm. or very fluid. You really don't. Um, uh, I've seen it, you know, with my, my Humbug save, um, my, on Twitch with, with dot one, I'm actually standard flexible, just middle of the road. And then it just comes down to the formations top heavy. It's a four, two, three, one. And then obviously don't want to have relatively good players, um, when they're not all injured, uh, and, uh, having (laughs) the right roles and duties in the right positions. Um, and then tweaking it with your team instructions and player instructions. But the key thing is I would always tell people, don't get caught up in it needs to be an attacking or a control mentality. That uh, that just that, that's not needed to play a game pressing. Now, I'd say standard and flexible is the lowest you want to go uh, just because of the way it's kind of set up and the way I've tested and played around with it from what I've seen. Um, don't be scared to go with a top-heavy formation because obviously your goal is to press in the attacking third, so you actually need players in the attacking third. That will make it easier. Uh, but you can do it with a flat 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1 uh, just by putting your wide men on an attack duty. That'll automatically position them further up the pitch. And then using mm-hmm. player instructions like mark tighter and maxing out your pressing or your pressure or whatever, um, that will that will also help in that realm. Those are kind of the few little keys. And then you tweak it from there. Yeah, that's good advice, that. Yeah, no, I think people I mean, could, could listen to that and make, make notes of that, really. I think you, you see that a lot. A lot of people will think, oh, I want to play attacking football, attacking, very fluid straight away. And um, I think you made a very good point there, you don't have to do that. And it, it's a mixture of things. It depends on how you set your team up, tactic, like formation-wise. Um, the roles themselves, like, there's no point having everyone on support and defend if they're not going to get forward enough. You know, I mean, it 
maternity right it does take time you have to watch the games if you want to create a tactic that does that the same with Tony if you want to have a low block you have to watch the game to see what they're doing wrong and do little tweaks here and there yeah definitely it's, it's trial and, it's always trial and error when you build a tactic and you learn from your mistakes that's it and I think it, people do sometimes get stuck in the thing that oh, I haven't worked in three games I'll change it when it actually takes half a season for a team to learn the tactic yeah to a certain extent You, I mean like one thing you see is a lot of pre-season games and that helps as well because they need to get familiar with the tactic but obviously if you're adding players like loaded transfers that's going to slow that down it's not something you can't just change the team change the tactic and it's going to work day one there's going to be mistakes and you have to sort of avoid the storm and then hopefully in the end it turns out right mm. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I mean, I haven't been playing football manager that long. The first football manager I really dedicated myself to was FM12. And I remember, I don't know if it was right then or shortly thereafter, the best piece of advice when it came to tactical familiarity that I gathered from Cleon was 10 league matches into a season. And yeah. then you can properly evaluate whether your tactic is working or not. Because I know for me, preseason, at halftime, I'm doing a 100% sub. It's a complete, yeah. every position gets subbed out, except maybe the keeper. And then towards the end of preseason, after 60 minutes, I tend to do it just to get, you know, uh, the familiarity and all that kind of up. But I don't really evaluate or put much stock into preseason when it comes to analyzing my tactic. I do that probably yeah, three months into the season. Yeah, 10, ten games as well is for me, really. I, I don't really start paying attention mm. to the league table, for instance, after 10 games. But if it's before 10 games, I won't be concerned where I am in the league table. After 10 games, then I'll look at it and be like, okay, where actually am I? Um, where I see it. Yes, that, that makes sense. Okay, I think it's been a great discussion with high block versus low block. I think listeners can take away if they want to replicate some gig compressing and find Matthias's, um, you know, what he said were really useful. Um, just going to go on to the outro now of you know any content or anything you want to share um, I'll go first um, so I've released on fmgrasshopper.com uh, a post on Monday and that was really about just looking at two of my roles um, a central midfielder attack and a winger attack and how they link up and where they link up on the pitch so I, I kind of look I used a formula of you know divide the pitch on 18 zones and um I found that my central middle attack and winger attack were kind of in the zone which is between 13 and 14, so 13.5, um, which I found useful to do just to see actually where is where is the impact. The, 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 um, it's always been touted that the zone 14 is where the magic happens, but for Estudiantes in my save, it's all all about 13.5. So that mm-hmm. that's over my blog. Uh, what about you, Dan? Um, I was just say to listeners to um, obviously have a look at Matthias' stuff, you know, especially if they've been interested by learning more about game impressions and that. Like he said, he's um, gone through what he looks into, and obviously he watches streams. Yeah. And um, see how how he plays, watch the YouTube and even the stuff he's written. I mean, um, if if you want to play a certain way, and and game impressions that way to sort of look at his stuff because. He's got the experience of doing that. I know he said he didn't even played since FN12, so he's only a baby in length of time. But, <laughs> the, st- <laughs> but the, the stuff that he, it's knowledgeable about, and you know he's tried to replicate that, and obviously watching German football has helped that. And so definitely check out his stuff. 
It's probably a long time since he's been called a baby. But. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, no kidding. But I mean, I've played other football manager simulation games before yeah. that. Being German, we always had Anstoß, which is kind of our version of FM or Championship Manager. But that died out due to licensing. Um, but uh, no, I, I appreciate that. And as far as my content goes, there's, I've been on a little bit of break just because I had some work travel and I'm just absolutely slammed with work right now. But I actually have two new Humbug episodes that were recorded. I just need to actually sit down and edit them and post them. It's going to be uh, starting season four is going to be one episode. And the other one will be about uh, an- a guide on how I analyze shots in a match what I look for and what my takeaways are from that. Yeah, I, I, I do I do love when you actually do a guide that is about the game and your mechanics and how you read it. I find it really interesting. Um, yeah, I do as well, yeah. yeah. Really good stuff. And also you, you do Twitch as well, Amateur, so I know you've been busy with work yeah, and stuff, but you've, um, you've, you've been quite, you're quite captivating on, on Twitch, I must be honest. It, you know, it was a little weird for me to get into Twitch. I just kind of did it on a whim. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's interesting interaction. I'm significantly more tired after streaming for two hours than I am if I just sit down and play because if I'm just playing, I'm just playing. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not interacting. I don't have to pay attention to, you know, the speeds of the Internet and, and all that kind of stuff, frame rates. Um, it's, it's, uh, but it's a lot or bit rates, not frame rates. Uh, it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. I just haven't had the time to do it. And honestly, one of the big issues I have right now is so damn hot here. And when I would have time to stream, either everybody in Europe is asleep because it's the middle of the night there, uh, or it's in the (laughs) afternoon here when it feels like it's, you know, 90 degrees Fahrenheit in my office because I don't have air conditioning. And uh, with the external GPU, it just gets so baking hot that it's just not fun. So I'm going to get back to it. Uh, I'm just waiting for it to cool down a little bit. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, Hopefully and, Grass and Gear can help you grow the US market. We, we, yeah. I don't know, that will you help out on that? Well, yeah, we're trying. I mean, I don't know. we got a couple of fans out there. Me, me, the, the Canadian market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the one viewer from Canada is is Toronto, which is yeah, safe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I completely understand. That. Obviously, you've got a, it must be hard to adjust your time zone for the European market, really, because that's where FM is mainly played, I guess, oh, yeah. in UK, yeah. and France, Germany, etc. Yep. Um, I mean, when I just look at my YouTube statistics, it's overwhelming in in Europe, and and so I mean. I think it's my second second highest demographic or third highest is the United States, but by far number one is the UK. And so if I stream here at my local time, say five o'clock, or I even do it later than that, like a lot of the streamers in the UK, they'll do it after dinner, kids are to bed, so it's eight o'clock, seven o'clock, your time. Well, if I do that conversely, it's two, three in the morning. Yes, uh, <laughs> in, in London, I don't think I'm going to get a lot of viewers, and I think some of the ones I would get may be a little creepy at that hour. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And and the and the U.S. audience just isn't quite there. I mean, I've thought about well, maybe I do like a South American save on stream and keep it to my time zone because yeah. I know there are quite a lot of FM fans out of Brazil and Argentina. Um, because they, I think, in Brazil they can't even access the game or anything, so they like to watch it. It's just mm. it just comes down to time, and you know when you have kids, everything changes yeah. once it's dinner time and bedtime. Anyway, yeah, no, hundred percent, yeah. 
<laughs> okay, well, that's been a great episode of Grass and Gear. Uh, episode 13 has been a blast. Um, you can subscribe to us um, and you can follow us on Grass and Gear. Um, and now the World Cup's over, hopefully we'll do we'll perhaps be semi-regular with our pods, I guess. We're, we're never regular anyway, Dan, are we? We, we just no. we rock up when we, we want to. Just... <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that's been great, guys. No. So um, thank you for joining me today. It was it was yeah, a lot of fun. For coming on. Thanks for having yeah. me on. Okay. Cheers, guys. Yeah, Bye. Pleasure.